It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Whether it's on your couch like Jake and I, or if you're going to Paul Brown Stadium this Sunday, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with my co-host, James Rapine. Today, we've got updates on Joe Burrow. He had his MRI. He was back in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor spoke. Tyler Boyd spoke. A number of Bengals talked about the future for Joe Burrow, and his high spirits seems to be a common refrain. We'll talk about the prognosis and the expectations for his recovery to start the show. And this injury, James, has forced us into our first mock draft Monday of the season prematurely a little bit, probably a little bit sooner than we were going to start this exercise. But here we are. We're looking ahead. We're looking to the draft. We're looking to the plan in the wake of Joe Burrow's injury because the rest of this season is just not as exciting as it was when Joe Burrow was going to play. But James, let's get started with the updates from the Bengals on Joe Burrow's condition. Adam Schefter reporting along with Ben Baby and then others that Joe Burrow's MRI revealed more damage apparently than the Bengals anticipated. I think that those of you that listened to this podcast and listened to these updates expected an ACL and MCL injury, but according to Schefter, the MRI revealed other structural issues in his knee as well. Now, we don't know the details of those other structural issues, and obviously there's a lot going on in the knee. There's two ligaments that weren't named in this report that may or may not be damaged. There are tendons, there's the kneecap, there are the insertion points for muscles, there's the tibial plateau for the top of the tibia, there's the bottom of the femur, a lot of things in play, and we don't know what those other things are. Sounds like the expected time frame for recovery is closer to nine months than 12 months, but Zach Taylor wouldn't commit to a specific time frame. And it makes sense to not commit to one because you don't know One, when Joe's actually going to be able to have surgery, it's really dependent on the swelling and how much swelling is in the joint. And then how does his body respond? How flawless are things? And uh, it's, you just don't know. You you don't. Giovanni Bernard, a few years ago, I remember him coming back quick. And that was just a a clean ACL and nothing else. Well, when you're talking about multiple ligaments, uh, MCL isn't a, a huge deal. Uh, when you're having the ACL done already, uh, to be honest with you, MCL is the easiest one to, to tear or partially tear. I've partially torn it. Not like Joe, obviously, but it's, uh, it's probably the easiest one. If you've ever torn anything in your knee, that's the one that usually goes. Um, it just sucks. And and we're going to be on Joe Burrow watch for most of 2021 at training camp. It's going to be 
well, is Joe Burrow going to be out there? It, what is Joe going to do? How is Joe going to perform? And, uh, you know, w- will he be able to play in the preseason? Will there be a preseason? What will it be like? I mean, all of those questions. I mean, I think back to 2006 when Carson Palmer came back from the ACL and he threw three touchdowns in the preseason week three against the Packers. And it was like, whoa, he's back. Well, we don't even know if Joe is going to be able to to get on the field and, and throw and, and do the the normal stuff with his helmet on at that stage of the preseason. So so we'll see. And it's just going to be something that we have to to wait out and monitor and see how it goes. But knowing his attitude, knowing his spirits, like you mentioned, Jake, I think the safe money is if everything goes as planned, he's going to be busting his tail and doing everything he can to safely get back on the field. And that's uh, that's one thing I can confidently say. Yeah, there's no such thing as taking it easy in rehab, but there's also no reason to rush a guy back in his second year. So I don't think that that is in the cards by any means, but there's no such thing as an easy rehab. He's going to have to work his tail off. It's going to be miserable. But if there's going to be any guy that you could have confidence was going to go through this thing and bust his ass to get back into shape, it's Joe Burrow. And I think that expectations are fairly that he will do everything that you expect he will do. You know his character. You know his makeup. He's going to work hard. Carson Palmer came back in eight months. Nine months from the time of recording puts us in late August. The season will probably start a few weeks later. I think the Bengals' first game next year will likely be September 12th if they start on the Sunday. That is a pretty tight time frame depending on how he recovers. The Bengals have a history of some guys coming back from ACLs quickly. Clint Bowling, Carson Palmer, Gio Bernard, all examples in recent history of players that got back from those injuries. And we'll see how Joe Burrow's recovery goes. And like you said, James, that's all we're really going to be paying attention to. And I would say it's unlikely that he'll be ready for training camp, but boy, would it be fun if he is. A couple other quick notes on the Bengals roster. They did move Joe Burrow officially to the injured reserve today and signed from the practice squad, Brandon Allen and Quentin Spain, both of those guys officially now on the 53-man roster. Man, the the Spain news would have been such a, a cool deal. We would have spent like, you know, a couple minutes on that had it had that been, you know, the big story of the day and this injury hadn't happened because we've been wondering when he would make the active roster. And then they promoted Brandon Allen. And so now he's on the active roster. And I asked Zach Taylor about this. They're going to add a third quarterback, but it'll probably be on the practice squad. And it's going to take a week due to the COVID-19 protocol. So it's something they're looking into. It will be interesting to see who they come up with, but it also doesn't matter a whole lot, I guess. Not what I want to be talking about today, James. Like you said, I want to be talking about Quentin Spain's promotion. I want to be talking about, you know, how Joe Burrow performed really well in the first half and how that carried into a victory. That's what I wanted to be talking about today. Like the most controversial thing I wanted to be talking about today, James, is Austin Cyber versus Randy Bullock. That's what I wanted today's conversation to be about. But we are not so privileged, are we? We're not, unfortunately. And who knows? Maybe that uh, maybe that is another change they'll make. That's an easy one. I, I keep forgetting Austin Seibert's on the roster. So you know what's going to end up happening, Jake, is he's going to end up getting released in place of whatever third quarterback they decide to add, and they're going to pick him up and add him to their active roster and shock the world, and it's going to be Randy Bullock for the rest of 2020. Dum, dum, dum. Great. Well... <laughs> 
on that positive note, let's doink. Get... Oh man, you're killing me. Let's get into uh let's get into the first mock draft Monday of the year. And it's not gonna be a mock draft Monday quite as in depth as we did, you know, going into the draft last year. We're not gonna actually do a mock draft. We're gonna set the stage today. We're gonna talk about where the Bengals will likely be drafting. And we're going to talk about Penny Sewell, the standout offensive tackle prospect from Oregon, and what their other options might be for that pick. That's coming up next. Protecting my family is my number one priority. It's all of our top priorities. But like you, I want to do it safely. And the people at Taser believe the safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or purse, yet powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry unnecessary risk for you and those around you, and even pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker. Taser products are safer and easier to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, giving you time to escape. More than 237,000 lives have been saved with Taser, in their network of devices, apps, and personnel. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code NFL. It's going to save you 15% right now. Again, taser.com, promo code NFL, spelled T-A-S-E-R.com. Again, promo code NFL. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I was really excited to do this first mock draft Monday with James. And then during our little recording break, just before I started talking, James said I led like Ryan Finley. And I thought he was going to say like, oh, you lead like Joe Burrow. And he was going to be nice. But instead, well, it's mock draft Monday. And the Bengals. And the Bengals are currently scheduled to pick third in the NFL draft. You talked about this briefly yesterday, but it wasn't very important yesterday. Still not really all that important today, but we're looking ahead. The New York Jets are 0-10. I don't think I see the New York Jets winning a football game this season. I mean, maybe they do, but they are very, very bad at football. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 1-9. I think I looked at their schedule yesterday and I wasn't terribly optimistic for their for them to win another game. And the Bengals at 2-7-1, and one, by virtue of that tie, one of those teams, the Jets would have to win three games, the Jaguars would have to win two games the rest of the way for the Bengals to move up in the draft order. Now, for the Bengals to move down in the draft order, they would have to, of course, win a game. But Dallas, Washington, Los Angeles, New York... Houston and Atlanta would also have to not win any more games. And I think all of those teams are capable of winning games. Three of those in the NFC East, and they all play each other a little bit. So I'd say, James, the chances are exceedingly good that Cincinnati is just going to stick at number three 
the rest of the way with Ryan Finley, a quarterback and a defense that hasn't been very good this year. I think these are the three worst teams. I don't think there's a chance in hell that Jets would have to win or could win three games. And that's what they'd have to do uh, for the Bengals to move up past them. And the Bengals beat the Jaguars head to head and they have that tie. So are you telling me that, that the Jags are going to win two games, right? Are, are they going to be able to do that? I, I just, I don't see it. So yeah, I think they're locked in at that three spot because all the teams behind them are going to win. And the Bengals are one of the worst teams in the NFL now without Joe Burrow. They might have been before that, but they were certainly competitive with the the middle tier teams in the league. Now I don't think anyone expects that. And, and heck, I know we're not talking about this, but this is why they opened as a four-point home underdog to the Giants on Sunday. Four points to the Giants, the three and seven Giants. And it's because of exactly that. They are just, they're a bad football team right now without Joe Burrow. Man, I would honestly lean toward the Giants if it's four points too. So just real quick, let's look at the remaining schedules for the teams ahead of them. Jacksonville plays Cleveland. I don't think they win that game. They play at Minnesota. I expect Minnesota to win that game. They play Tennessee. I think that's a loss for Jacksonville. At Baltimore. And then the one game I think that is imminently winnable for Jacksonville is Chicago. But even then, Chicago still has a defense. So I think Chicago wins that one. They finish the year at Indy. None of those games look too winnable to me. Let's flip over to the New York Jets really quickly. They've got Miami, Las Vegas, Seattle, the Rams, Cleveland, New England. And so I think the only one of those is actually like the Patriots. The Jets randomly beat the Patriots late last year. And you can see that happen again. The Patriots not nearly as good this year, but the Jets are are just awful. So let's assume that the Bengals are staying at number three. And at number three, we're expecting two quarterbacks to go ahead of that. Trevor Lawrence, most likely the top pick. Justin Fields, despite how he played Saturday, which I heard was bad. I don't know. I didn't watch. Most likely the number two pick, Penny Sewell, the standout offensive lineman from Oregon. He's been a great left tackle. He's only 20 years old, said to be one of the best offensive tackle prospects ever would be the pick for the Bengals there if they stayed put. I mean, that's what everybody says in the current mock drafts anyway. Is there a reason that you would go away from Penny Sewell? I think that's what we talk about in the coming weeks. But James, what are your initial thoughts here? That they may have found their left tackle of the future and Jonah could slide to that right side with Sewell. Uh, You know, and we'll talk into the particulars there. But if they can get him, it seems like a no-brainer. Here's the one disclaimer. Will they entertain trading back? Because if I'm the Bengals, I'm totally on board with trading back. Heck, I was the guy who was on board with entertaining offers for Joe Burrow. I'm all my phone is always open. You want to negotiate that that uh, that door is open. And and we're talking months from now when this is going to take place. But who knows who rises up the draft board or who falls down the draft board? There's a scenario where Justin Fields could be available when the Bengals are on the clock at number three. Everyone's penciling him in at number two. What what if the BYU quarterback goes, right? What if uh, one of these other guys, what if Trey Lance really impresses? Heck, Mitch Trubisky went second overall. These NFL teams overthink it. You never know. Uh, So with that being said, I think the Bengals absolutely have to be open to a trade down. I don't think they're – that means trading down 15 spots. But when you have your franchise quarterback – and that's what they have. They're not going to have the top pick, so we don't have to have the Lawrence Burrow conversation, which is probably nice because I don't think a lot of people would enjoy it. 
um, then yeah, this is exactly what you do is, is you entertain offers. And if not, and if you don't get what you want or what you're looking for or how much you want, and you sit right where you are and you pick Sewell. But there is the argument, Jake, for, all right, it's kind of a deep tackle class. They have issues on defense. Maybe you trade back six spots, get a top cornerback, and there are some good corners in this draft. And, and then you you take a tackle with the 22nd pick because you got that one too, or the, the 31st pick because you got that one too, or whatever the case may be, right? So you certainly have to entertain it because it's not like they just have a right tackle issue. They have a lot of issues and a lot of holes. And, and whoever the, the next regime is, or if it is this re- regime, they're going to want to try to fill as many of those as they can this offseason. And from a content perspective, James, for us, trading back would be the more interesting scenario because – like you said, there's a multitude of needs or ways they could go with the draft and, and approaches they could take to building this team. One of those is let's let's focus on the offense first. So I was playing around on the mock draft machine at the Draft Network, which Joe and I use all the time last year, and there's a whole bunch of mock draft simulators out there now. And I traded back a lot, and I accumulated a ton of second-round picks and third-round picks And I went Devonta Smith in the first round from Alabama to get the speed burner who catches everything. And then Pat Fryermuth, who just had a season-ending surgery, tight end from Penn State, complete kind of guy. And then the the tackles that are currently looking like first, second-round fringe guys, Northwesterns, Rashawn Slater, Notre Dame's Leon Eichenberg, both of those guys could move up or down as the process goes, could be there at the top of round two. If you, if you end up trading back and, and you accumulate a pick at the top of round two. Trey Smith from Tennessee could be a guard that's there at the top of round two. And then, and then after that, maybe you go defense. Because there, there, there's actually a lot of guys at the edge in this class that, that could be very intriguing prospects. Corner, I don't know if it's as deep. I think your idea, if they do want to go defense, of going corner early will be the way to go. Mm. But for me... I'm on the let's get one more weapon or two in this case of this crazy scenario that that I've got cooked up on the mock draft machine. And then let's get some of those guys at the top of the second round that can improve our offensive line. Because I do think that, I mean, last year we saw all the tackles end up going in the first round, but I do think there are some guys at the top of the second round that are very attractive offensive line prospects if they do trade back and accumulate some extra picks. And part of this, has to do with what they do in free agency and it really needs to be tied it needs to be tied together this year so Mm -hmm. people are probably cringing when you're like wait till round two to to draft an offensive tackle right but if they do what they should which is be aggressive and pursue one via trade pursue one how whatever the case may be whether it's signing them in free agency trading for one however it is and if you have the third overall pick guess what you have value you have something that a lot of teams are going to want so if there's a team that wants a quarterback, they want to move up and get their guy, well, maybe they're willing to part with the guard that you really like on their team. Maybe they, they have a guy that you're willing to to go after. Um, and, and then the other thing here, uh, when you mention weapons, we've talked about this guy a lot. Allen Robinson is unhappy in Chicago, hasn't had a real quarterback in Chicago. He would love to have Joe Burrow. He would love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. And so... That's a guy you could go after in free agency. Joe Tooney at guard. Like you're going to have to fill some of these needs in free agency. And when I look at this offseason compared to to last offseason, so 2021's offseason versus last year, it was defensive heavy last year, right? 
my thought process with the the Bengals this year would be let's load up on offense. Let's get every weapon we can imagine or want. Let's try to get as, the best offensive line we can get. And then number nine is just going to drop back there and hand it off to Mixon or, or just throw darts to all of his weapons. And, and that's what we're going to do is we're going to be so damn good on offense, whether it's Zach Taylor at the helm or another head coach, that would kind of be my plan. And I, I think that's a, a smart plan where you just strike fear in opposing defenses because of how good you are in the trenches and how physical you are and, and how you can push the ball downfield because of your weapons. So we'll, we'll see if that's the case. It really, it sounds good, doesn't it, Jake? It sounds really good. It's much easier said than done. Definitely much easier said than done. It's expensive if they go the free agency route. I am with you, though. I think that that's the way to go. Curtis Samuel, Allen Robinson, Joe Tooney. Heck, sign them all. We'll take all of them, right? And then and then go draft your tackle or, or do whatever you want. But the point is, there's a lot of ways they can go this offseason. And it's actually going to be fun to talk about. It's just unfortunate that we're talking about it on November 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving. Coming up next, Ian Rappaport says, Is Zach Taylor's job? That seat? Not hot. We'll play the clip and talk about that to wrap up today's show. James, we talked a lot about how the back half of the season was going to be an opportunity for Zach Taylor to punch through that wall, break through it, and show that he should be the head coach of the future. That job gets more difficult for Taylor, but if you have walls to break through, and we all do, whether it's mental or physical, you can break through it every day with Built Go. It's easy to take their one-and-a-half-ounce packages anywhere you go with. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation you've ever delivered. Put it in your golf bag for that second round of 18 holes in, in golf season. Put it in your pocket. Get through the day. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. And it's natural, so it's better for your body. They've got three delicious flavors. And as we talk about with Built Bars, Built Go tastes great too. Peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. Combines energy gel with collagen protein. They load it up with vitamins, a little bit of caffeine, promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, literally makes you look better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to talk a lot about Zach Taylor's future here on Locked On Bengals over the next six weeks, seven weeks, and if they retain him the next year. <laughs> That's just the, the reality of it right now with uh, the 421-1 second-year head coach. But I, I thought this was interesting. Earlier today on the Pat McAfee show, NFL insider Ian Rappaport with some interesting thoughts on this idea that Zach Taylor is on the hot seat. I have not gotten the sense that that's a job that's in jeopardy. Um, I have not gotten he that stinks. sense at all. I mean, it, <laughs> it seems like, and believe me, I mean, there's plenty that are in jeopardy. Um, I have not gotten the sense that that one is in jeopardy at all. Okay. And I think for 
a young offensive mind who has a quarterback who believes in him. I mean, there's, they're clearly not perfect. I think personnel, they got a ways to go, could use a couple, many players on defense. They tried to sign some. One hadn't played all year. Uh, DJ Reader got hurt. I mean, there's, they've had a lot of injuries. Ship um, Carlos Dunlap. I've not gotten the mm-hmm. sense that Zach Taylor's in trouble at all, in part because of the work he's done with Joe Burrow. Jake, that's what nightmares are made of. In my eyes, this is, look, Joe Burrow injured, out for the year. Who knows if he returns next year? And Zach Taylor essentially getting a pass. Other than that, I don't know how you would bring him back because he's going to lose at worst five out of the next six, probably six out of the next six. Let's just go crazy and say he wins two games. So he's he's got six wins in two seasons. I, I don't think that's enough. And if he's back next year, I think it's because he says, like Ian said, oh, well, I got a lot out of Joe Burrow. He was going to be rookie of the year. We were showing growth. We were showing promise. But you weren't winning games. And I I hope that they don't allow this injury to get in the way of the reality for Zach Taylor. And, And to me, he's out in my eyes, gone. And the only way he can really salvage his job and prove that he deserves a third season is by winning with Ryan Finley or Brandon Allen and and winning these games because I just haven't seen it. And even then, I'm not sure it's enough. Like, I just, I I think it's unrealistic for him to bounce back from this and bounce back from the the first year in nine, what, 10 games that he's coached this year. And, you know, maybe I'm crazy and maybe I'm being unfair, but that's just my take. I just think that for for the Bengals organization – this likely comes down to how they see Zach Taylor's job to, to fans, to you and I, it's, it's everything about the team. He is the head coach. He's responsible for the product that gets put onto the field with the players he has. Is he fully at fault for what's happening in Cincinnati? No, but the, to me, James, you describe a nightmare to me. It's only a worst case scenario and and these are these are splitting hairs in some senses. These are shades of gray. But the the worst thing is if it's the same exact staff. If he doesn't I don't know what to say. If he doesn't have the courage to to fire some of his friends that are underperforming, and I say friends because they are his friends at some of these positions that are underperforming, then that is that's the scary part. Because we've seen consistently over two seasons that that the systems that are being implemented in some parts of this team simply are not working. There are some things that are working or we're working with Joe Burrow anyway. And what Ian said, what Rappaport said was that the team likes his connection with Joe Burrow. He likes what he's getting offensively. He likes how you know, the team is, is appreciative of how the offense is moving with this rookie quarterback. And, and I could buy that, but he's not the offensive coordinator. He's the head coach. And so everything is tied to Zach Taylor. And when we were talking about this before we started recording, I mean, you made a great point. Say he, say he does get rid of Anna Rumo. Who, who does he bring in instead to, to run the defense? And do you have faith in that hire? And is somebody going to want to come, work here given the way things have gone because Zach would be a dead coach walking if you bring Zach Taylor back let's put it like this after one in 31 in Cleveland did any any listener out there after one in 31 
think that Hugh Jackson was going to turn things around in Cleveland because there wasn't a damn soul in Cleveland that thought so. And that was with Baker Mayfield, the number one pick, and with Jarvis Landry, and with all these guys that they added. And the reason I say that is if Zach has four wins and he's 4-27-1, are we really going to think, all right, not only is he going to bring in the right defensive coordinator after bringing in the wrong one or bring in the right offensive line coach or bring in whatever assistant that, that he needs to bring in uh, to get things right. But he's going to turn and flip the script so damn far from 427 and one, or let's just go crazy 625 and one. Let's just go crazy here and say he wins a couple games on the stretch. He's going to go from that to out coaching Mike Tomlin on the road to out coaching John Harbaugh. To, to somehow beating Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield at First Energy Stadium, something he hasn't done. I I just I don't see it. I, I don't see that being something that he does or is able to do or is able to rebound from. And I don't have time to waste now. I've already wasted half of Joe Burrow's rookie season and all of his first offseason in the NFL. That is already too much time. You're already kind of messing yourself up some. And I get it's no one's really fault. I'm not blaming anyone. But you got to get things right now if you're the Bengals because you got the quarterback right and now he's dinged up. And I think they got it wrong with Zach Taylor. I had my questions about him, and he's done nothing in this year and nine months or whatever it is to show otherwise that he deserves a third season. Now, maybe I'll feel differently in six weeks. I tend to think that that's unrealistic, but maybe I will. There is one thing that I think we should talk about here because a lot of people are blaming Taylor and the coaching staff for Burroughs' injury, and, I, and I'm not dismissing that outright. And I'm not dismissing the results. I mean, 421 and 1, which could get to 427 and 1, speaks for itself. But in the last five weeks of Joe Burrow's play, he was the fifth least pressured quarterback in the NFL. So if your problem was Zach Taylor, and I'm not talking to you, James, I'm talking to the listener who's like, they didn't protect Taylor, they didn't protect uh, Burrow enough. And so that's a fireable offense. The offense did adapt to their credit. Joe Burrow. Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, the ball was coming out quicker. They lost Joe Mixon. They lost a big piece of their running game, but they they adapted by getting the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands quicker, finding ways to extend the running game by using quick passing. And for the most part, Joe Burrow wasn't intensely pressured, and that includes the Pittsburgh game. So that's just something I wanted to put out into the world. I, I do think that there is a much larger conversation to be had around, you know, who's around him, whether you trust him to make another hire, whether he truly would be a dead coach walking. And I, I don't know. I mean, I need somebody else really to do the to the research, or maybe I need to go do the research and look for a coach that started four wins in two seasons. Has anybody come back from that? I don't know. I can't think of it. I, I don't, I'm not a NFL historian enough to say so, but I mean, what are the odds? I would say low considering before Zach Taylor got to Cincinnati, the Bengals have had a total of one, two win season. So if they finish two and 14 and then two 13 and one, he would have had tripled that total since becoming head coach of the Bengals. Not what they were expecting when they hired Zach Taylor. You look at some of the other coaches they were talking to back then, I'm not sure that any of them were necessarily the right candidate, but they were certainly hoping for more with Taylor. And this is going to be an ongoing conversation, James. And I'm sure that emotions are still high and, and feeding into this for a lot of people out there. And I, I can see both sides of this to some degree, but at the same time, like I said, the the specter of 427-1 and one 
is looming and speaks for itself. Yep. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Tomorrow we're back with a midweek mailbag, and I'm sure you'll all have just the warmest and fuzziest questions for us. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.